Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Good evening. That's the best greeting y'all have. Good evening. I don't need praise. I just want a response, a hello. It's good to see you guys. You guys happy to be here tonight? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Sometimes we need to think about that. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the past few weeks, I've been coming out just like assessing the mood. And just last week, I was like, man, just smile. Everybody just take a second, just smile. It'll release some endorphins. You'll feel better. You know, but not everybody gets to worship God just in freedom like we do. The reality is there are people all over the world who love Jesus, but they can't just worship him in freedom. They're at risk of their lives. There are people being killed around the world for the gospel. And we get the opportunity to just show up here on a Tuesday night, drink coffee, eat cookies, kick it with each other, you know, and just worship God in freedom with a great band. This is awesome, isn't it? Is anybody grateful for that? I am grateful for that. Because we can just get so in the routine that it can become redundant to us. There have been plenty of times where I've been sitting in a service and I'm like, I'm not feeling this song. I've heard this song too many times. I'm not feeling this. And then God will just remind me, like, you understand that, like, this is freedom. Who cares if you like the song? The fact that you can worship God in freedom is such a blessing. Not everybody can do this. They can't even have a church like this in plenty of areas in the world. Do you guys realize that? It's a big deal that we get to do this and listen to a message and just sing songs to God. It's a big deal. God has blessed us, given us the freedom to be able to do that. Amen? All right. So you guys happy to be here? All right. You guys ready to hear something from the Lord tonight? Did anybody come to encounter God tonight? That's what I came for. I don't come up here just to talk and to give you guys a speech, just to teach a random lesson. No, a lot of prayer goes into this. A lot of thought goes into this because I want this to be a time where we are able to hear from God himself where we are able to learn about him, to engage with him. And so if you are here, you have the opportunity to connect with God. And I just want to help to facilitate that for you. Is that okay? So if you are here, you are blessed. You have been kept and protected on your way here. You're still breathing. You're still alive. You are safe. And you have the opportunity to lean in and learn something from the word of God. Cool? All right. So... We've been talking for the past month and a half about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the third person of the Trinity. You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've learned so much about who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit was sent as a promise from God to act on behalf of the Father and the Son here on earth to aid us and help us in our daily life. This is about a relationship with God, not a religion. 
Amen? This is about a relationship with the God of the universe, not a religion, not a rule book, but a relationship. Somebody who you can speak with and he speaks back. Somebody who you can pray to and he answers that he will move in your life, where you can see his activity in your life. Not just say some prayers and hope somebody heard it, but you can actually hear a response. He has power. He is not just a power, but he's a person with power, and he's come to help us. And so as we've been talking about that, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And I just felt led tonight to talk to, uh, to us about the, the holy part. And that's not a part that everybody likes to talk about. It's, it's not a message that everybody wants to hear, but it's what we all need. Because God is holy. Can we just say that? God is holy. Say it again. God is holy. And one more time. God is holy. That has to resonate in our spirit if it's going to impact our lives. But there's a reason that he calls himself the Holy Spirit. That word is not used lightly. It means unlike any other. It means different. He's a treasure. I want to pray for us tonight, and then we'll dive into the word of God. Father, I just ask that you just move in this place. Open our ears. Open our hearts to hear what you have to say. Open our eyes. Quiet the distractions that the enemy would try to take place in this house tonight, Lord. And we just ask that you would just move. Holy Spirit, speak and breathe on us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus himself says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is not like a dictatorship where you're just forced to do all the things you don't like and just follow a bunch of rules, like what we'll hear a lot of times in society, because that's what religion is. Religion is rules, a code to follow. But we have the opportunity to be in relationship with God and relationship with the God who created us as a treasure. Amen? Relationship with an all-powerful God who wants good for us and has a good plan for us as a treasure. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you believe that your relationship with God is a treasure? Because Jesus says that that's what it's like when you stumble upon the kingdom of heaven. This guy is just walking in a field and finds a treasure. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has just to have that field with that treasure in it. This is what Jesus says encountering God is like. We find a treasure as we were going through our daily lives. We've stumbled upon something that we can't explain. An experience with the supernatural, an experience with the person of God that's worth everything that we have. It makes everything else that we've been chasing in life pale in comparison. It makes everything else seem to be worthless. I want us to look tonight at one of the closest people to Jesus in his earthly ministry, who was a common guy who found a treasure. His name is Peter. 
formerly known as Simon. I don't know which one I would rather be called. Probably Peter, because it has a better meaning. But Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends. But he was just a fisherman going about his daily life. And then his brother meets Jesus, his brother Andrew meets Jesus, and then comes to him and says, we found the Messiah, you have to meet him. We found a treasure that you have to experience. And then he meets Jesus, Jesus sees him another time and says, come, follow me. And he leaves everything that he has and follows Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man finds it, sells all that he has to get that field in his joy. You think Peter followed Jesus out of like obligation? He didn't have to. It was an invitation. But he saw something worth leaving his old life for. Not an obligation, but an opportunity. I would present to you that you have an opportunity every single day, whether you've been walking with Jesus for zero days or a thousand days, 5,000 days, 50 years, whatever it is, you have the opportunity every day to say no to the old and to step into the new and to follow him on this journey because he is a treasure that's worth selling everything for. And so Peter, Peter was with Jesus from the very beginning of his earthly ministry. Most of what we know about Jesus is after the age of 30. We don't know a lot about him. We, we know his birth and, and certain things that happen uh, when he's a teenager, and then it flashes right to when he's getting baptized, and then his earthly ministry starts. And Peter is with him from really the beginning of most of what we know about Jesus's earthly life. And Peter's just a regular guy with an extraordinary person that he's following. And he witnesses all these things. He witnesses the miracles. He witnesses the teaching. He was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah come down from heaven and speak with Jesus in front of him. And Jesus' face is transfigured. That's why it's called the Mount of Transfiguration. His face changes form and glory where he just looks different. Peter didn't know what to say. He's like, uh, it's good that you showed up. Let's make dinner or something. And Jesus is like, chill out. <laughs> but imagine this. You're just a regular fisherman. You start following this guy who's healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel with power and authority, and there's something different about him. Doing miracles has a love like you've never seen before, an attractiveness that you've never seen before. And then you see him glorified in front of you, literally the prophets come down, heaven is open, God the Father speaks. Imagine this experience, you're a regular guy, it's you and me. You see that, and then you, you're with him when he's sold out by Judas. You're with him when he's sentenced to death. You're there and you see him crucified and you don't know why he's allowing this to happen. 
You see him die. And then Peter saw Jesus come back to life. Peter had breakfast with the resurrected Jesus. Jesus made him breakfast. This is in the Bible, I promise you. Jesus making breakfast. Jesus cooked for him. That's so dope. That was probably an amazing meal. Imagine God cooking you a meal. And fish and grits. Okay, hey, you know, according to your faith, let it be unto you. As Jesus is cooking Peter breakfast, this is, this is the same Peter who denied Jesus three times. This is the Peter who was riding with Jesus, like, before he's, sent, before he's betrayed, Jesus says, I'm about to be betrayed, and Peter's like, even if all of them betray you, I know how they do, but your boy, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere, and Jesus is like, actually, you're going to deny me three times tomorrow morning. <laughs> the soldiers show up to take Jesus. Peter pulls out the sword. Ah! Cut somebody's ear off. Jesus picks back up the ear, puts it back on the man's head. Peter's out here like, my bad. I be tripping sometimes. And then he denies him. It's a little, it's literally, I'm telling you, this really happened. This is the Bible. A little girl says, aren't you, aren't you one of the people who was with Jesus? He's like, no. <laughs> Imagine the guilt. He's like, no, wasn't me. I don't know what you're talking about, little girl. <laughs> She's like, no, I think you were with him. Peter starts cursing to show, like, I'm not even no Christian. <laughs> Be wildin' out here. And then, it, and then scripture says that at that point, Jesus looked at him like this. <laughs> he, he was like this. And the rooster crowed. Say, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Jesus looks at him. Imagine. Like, that's my boy. I just denied that I even know him. Because it's, it's cold out here, and they were bundled around a fire. Jesus doesn't have no heat. He's over here bundled by the fire, and the little girl's like, you're one of the men who was with Jesus. He's like, no, I'm not. Jesus looks at him. Imagine the guilt. And then Jesus comes back, resurrected, glorified, says, he cooks him breakfast. And you know Peter's sitting there guilty, like, man, I denied you while you was about to get crucified, and you're making me breakfast. Ah, <laughs> oh, you're too good. And Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yeah, I love you. He says, take care of my flock. He's actually calling him Simon at this point. That's a whole other, I'm not even going to get into it. 
He says, do you love me? He says, yeah, I love you. Feeling that guilt. He's like, take care of my sheep. Jesus gives the great commission, ascends into heaven. And this is the letter that we see Peter write to the church. See how important context is? When you know who's writing, when you know the circumstances and conditions. I mean, Peter, this is Peter who found a treasure that was worth his life. In that time, when when Jesus is cooking him breakfast, telling him to take care of his sheep, he also foreshadows Peter's death that Peter is going to die an uncomfortable death for his faith, for the gospel, to glorify God. Now imagine, like, how worthy must this person be of your commitment for them to be able to tell you, you're gonna die for me? And you devote your life to that, knowing what's coming. We see 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter, verses three through nine, Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth then gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. This is coming from somebody who's seen him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of of your souls. We skip down to verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. I know that's a lot of scripture. What's happening there is Peter is saying, I found a treasure. I know what's most important. I met Jesus face to face. I saw this gospel play out and I know what's most important. I I heard him say he's coming back and he's coming back soon. Set your hope on that. Set your hope on the grace that will be revealed to you, that will be poured out on you, the salvation of your souls when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. He's saying, I know he's coming back and everybody's gonna see it. And even though we might not see him right now, though you have not seen him, you love him. 
though you haven't seen him face to face, you have already received the end result of your faith. You feel it, an inexpressible joy, glorious joy, inexpressible peace. You're receiving the end result. Why? Because this is a relationship. This is not a religion. This is a living God. This is a God who's willing to prove himself and has sent a deposit in the Holy Spirit that will fill you with power, with joy, with peace, with comfort, with wisdom for your current life and set your focus on the next one. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. And I know some of you guys heard that term and you're like, does he mean sober, sober? Or is he using like a term that doesn't mean like sober, sober, but he means like just be aware. No, he means sober, sober. Minds that are alert and fully sober. The letter of 1 Peter is one of the reasons that I stopped drinking some years ago. Because he says, be alert and of sober mind multiple times in this letter. And he says, be alert and of sober mind and always ready to pray. And so the application of that is, if you have to ask yourself, like how buzzed can I be? Like, this is the gauge. Are you in a position where you're alert and always ready to pray? I had this tested on me in real, real life. This is like when I'm, you know, I'm, I'm walking with God, I come to victory. But it was like, it was at that point where I was still single, I was bored. It's like, man, what is there to do? So, all right, we're not going to hit the club. We're just going to hit, like, the lounge because it's, it's more laid back. It's more chill. It's not really, like, crazy, crazy. It's just, it's, it's more chill. I just, you know, we're going to listen to music, right? And I'm not, like, drinking, drinking. But, like, it's weird when you're at the lounge and like you got nothing in your hand, it's kind of like. But you know, when you can have something in your hand, it's like, you know, you're just out here. You know, you're chilling. And so I'm not like drinking, drinking, but then what I would see is like, then I would finish that first drink. And then it's like, well, I don't want to have a cup that's empty in my hand because that's kind of weird. Just walking around with a cup of ice. And so, all right, I'm just going to get one more. And then I get another one. And then what I would learn, what I would see is like this spiral of like, I'm drunk now. <laughs> and th th nah, this isn't, I don't, I don't think this is the move. And so what happened is there was this one night I'm out there and a close friend of mine who was not saved at all, uh, I ran into him out there and he's like drunk out his mind hi, um, and just telling me, like, all this stuff that's going on. And, you know, he was going through a really difficult time, um, just drug addiction, contemplating suicide, these different things. Now, imagine you're out here, 
lounging. And this is like a, so we, we go outside. I'm like, yo, bro, like come outside. We go out on the street and I pray for him. And then I stopped drinking because I was like, be alert and of sober mind and always ready to pray. And in this situation, the trade-off that's happening here, what I'm seeing is a lot of times I'm not alert and of sober mind and always ready to pray. And so you know what's, what's worth trading that is this treasure that I found, the impact that I can have on somebody's life when God can use me to pray for them. And I think that's what Peter is talking about. And so that's the gauge. When, when you're smoking, are you like in ministry mode? Let me know if you are. I'd like to have that conversation because most of the people that I know who are smoking, when they're in ministry mode when smoking, they're normally talking nonsense and just philosophies. And that's not the gospel. That's not being sober-minded and always ready to pray. That's being ready to talk about stuff. And that's not the same thing. That's not being able to be used by God. That's not being able to be used for God to reveal himself to people through you. And so scripture is very clear about a lot of things that we don't give it credit for being clear about. And so for anybody who is trying to figure that one out, boom, clear. Be alert and of sober mind, ready to pray. This right here says set your hope. Set your hope on the grace that will be revealed to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. And so I want to ask you tonight, what is your hope in? I think this is a really important question to ask because as we're talking about even this concept of holiness and, and, and being different and we get to the part where he says, be holy as God is holy. First, he says, set your hope. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So what is your hope in? Because this world tells us to put our hope in a lot of things. The world will tell you to put your hope in your salary, while God is saying, put your hope in my salvation. But what is your hope in? What do you run to when things get difficult? What's really driving your actions? What's really driving your daily choices and decisions? Where is your hope? What are you putting your hope in? Because that's going to determine how you conduct your life. That's why he says, because Jesus is coming back. Because you are already seeing the result of having faith in him. He's moving in your life. He's working in your life. He's giving evidence of his divine nature, of the fact that he's God himself, that he's alive, that he wants a relationship with you. You hear him speaking. You see him moving. Because of that, therefore, be alert. Be ready for action. And set your hope on him coming back. Now, if that concept is foreign to you, then I think there's a disservice that's been done in your Christian life because this is what it's about. As followers of Christ, Jesus is coming back and there's a whole plan that he has. And we talked last week about God's plan. God's plan is to go into eternity. So many of us have our eyes focused on God's plan for like the next 30 years of our life. 
And God's perspective is so much broader than that. And Peter is saying the way you should live your life is actually in anticipation of the next life. And that's hard for us to grasp because we're so connected to this one. We're so connected to the people here, to the circumstances here, to things we want to accomplish here. Me and my wife talk. And sometimes she's like, I hope Jesus doesn't come back soon because I don't think we're going to be able to be married there. That's real. And I'm like, well, I think he has it figured out. That's it. That's all I got. I don't know. Because he said that nobody's going to be given in marriage and all those things. I don't know what to expect, but I trust him because I've seen enough of his activity in my life. I've seen him prove himself that he's worthy to be trusted, worthy of my life, that he's good, that he has a good plan. So I don't think that he had all these other good plans. And now this next one isn't so good. And I'm going to be disappointed when he gets here. I think that it's going to be awesome, whatever he has planned. Not that not being with you would be awesome, but just saying, you know, you know what I mean, <laughs> right? So, all right. The reality is we can get so connected to our current circumstances that we're so far removed from what Jesus actually said to focus on. There's a kingdom of heaven. And he's saying this is an eternal kingdom. And this right here is temporary. So where is your hope set in? Because if your hope is placed here in this temporary world, you're going to be very disappointed and you're going to be misguided. And so when we see this world kind of burning to the ground, it can discourage some of us because we're like, man, there's stuff that needs to happen in my life here. And Jesus is like, no, I actually said that this place is not going to be here for long. And so don't even set yourself up too strong here. Don't get too attached. Jesus himself says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I would say where your hope is, there your heart will be also. If your hope is placed in what money is going to provide for you, because that's the only reason you would store it up is in anticipation of what it's going to be able to do in your life. You placing your hope there. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Now, I'm not saying to be broke. That's not what I'm suggesting. But where is your hope placed? There's an understanding that all of this money, all of this is temporary anyway. And so where I want to be a good steward and I want to be responsible, responsible, I don't want to be attached to it because I want to actually be investing in the next life. Like when this, when we step into eternity, when we step into a new reality, this is what he says is coming. Jesus Christ showed up, paid the price for our sins resurrected, showed he had power over sin and death, and now we have access to that through faith in him. We have access to forgiveness, restoration of our relationship with God, reconciliation with God, but we haven't reached the pinnacle of it yet because we don't 
even see God yet. He's placed a deposit in us that foreshadows what's gonna happen. Like we experience this glimpse of the joy that's in heaven. We experience this glimpse of the peace that we'll be able to experience in heaven. But the full measure of it is still on the way. And you can live your life in a way where you're investing in that. And that's why, next, he says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, when you did not know what was going on, when you did not know that your sin was separating you from God and that God had a purpose and a plan for your life and he poured out his life and he shed his blood just so you could have a relationship with him and he could give you purpose and significance and connection with him so he could put his Holy Spirit in you and restore you to what you were initially intended to be. Don't go back to how you lived before you knew that. But just as he who called you, God, is holy, so be holy in all you do. Say all you do. All you do. Be holy in What are we supposed to be holy in? All you do. And where our hope is will determine how we conduct ourselves. See, the word holy, it's simple. It means uncommon. God calls himself holy, and in it literally means, that Greek word there means like the Lord because different from the world. Like the Lord because different from the world. So you're supposed to be like the Lord and different from the world in everything that you do, in all you do. Why? Because your hope is not in this place. And so if you conform yourself to how this place operates, you will get what this place gets. And so, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're not agreeing with me yet, so I just wanted to hit on some, just some common practices, some common behaviors, and some common results that we see in this world when we just start conforming to the behaviors that are normal here. All right, so does everybody eat? Eating's pretty normal, right? And there's just like a, a common way of eating, even in our country. You just, you do what you do. You go to this restaurant, you go to that restaurant. What we see is common is fast food on every corner. What's, what's uncommon is health food. Has anybody found that it's like expensive and hard to find healthy food? Like you really have to intentionally search that out. But if you just go to what's common, if you go to what's common, you know. But the result of the common way of eating in our country is that now being unhealthy is common. Common. According to data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey 2013 and 2014, just so you know I didn't make it up, more than two in three adults were considered to be overweight or have obesity not because it's intentional. Nobody sits down 
and is like, I want to be unhealthy when I'm eating this. We're just doing what's common, what's normal to us, what's normal to people around us, and then we experience the results, but we don't have that result in mind when we're doing the things that we do. Dating and marriage, right? So it's pretty common to want to have a romantic relationship. Would you agree? There's a whole genre of films called romantic comedies, rom-coms, if you will, because romance is popular. People love it. We love it. It's natural to us. Having a romantic relationship is very, very normal. It's common. But there are also common ways of pursuing romantic relationships in our society that lead to common results. But a lot of times we don't think of the common result. And so it's still common to get married. Does anybody know the wedding industry is super lucrative? If you've ever tried to book a wedding venue, you see they're booked up for like the year. Everybody's getting married. But researchers... Researchers estimate that 41% of all first marriages end in divorce. Wow. That's a common result. Starting a business. Anybody in here have a business or want a business? Yeah, I know. And there's a lot of you guys who didn't raise your hand because you feel too cool to raise your hand. But you do too. Because... 41% of all Generation Zers plan to become entrepreneurs. A lot of our young people plan to work for themselves. 41%. But you know what's also interesting? According to the Small Business Association, 30% of new businesses fail during their first two years, 50% during the first five years, and 66% during the first 10 It's common for businesses to fail. Interesting. So what we learn, nobody starts a business like, I'm going to mess this up. (laughs) Nobody starts a relationship saying, I'm going to ruin this. This is going to end bad. Nobody does that. But what we find, what we learn, is if we do what is common, we will get what is common. If we do what is common, we will get what is common. And this is the the tug of war that so many of us live in, is wanting to be like the world. But we don't really think about what is the world getting. Bad results. What I've learned in my life, I have never, I mean never, can you say never? Never. Never. I've never done something the way that God said to do it and felt like that was a bad idea. I have done things the way I wanted to do it and been like, that was a terrible idea. (laughs) Bad idea, got bad results. It's not the result that I was aiming for. And that's why God gives us a whole Bible, a whole Bible full of what to do, how to live. Why? Because he knows the end result. But so many of us, we look at, man, everybody else is able to date. 
Everybody else can have sex. Everybody else can do this and do that. Everybody else can do what they want. And God doesn't want me to. Because God doesn't want you getting what they get. God is good. And he knows that a lot of these behaviors lead to things that are not good. We have a different destination, a different place that our hope is placed. So we have to conduct our lives in that way. We're called to be different. We're called to be uncommon. We're called to be holy because God is holy. We're called to be different, uncommon, because God is different and uncommon. He is not like everybody you see, and he doesn't do things the way that you see everybody do them. And he gets better results. When God sets out to do something, it gets it done. God's never like, man, I should have rethought that. No, he knew what he was doing. And he always does. And when he tells you to do something, he knows what he's doing. And he knows the end result even when you don't. And the doubt that we experience is really our lack of awareness of what the end result is this is actually going to be. So what does this look like? It means we make decisions in our lives that are not common. I have a story I want to tell you guys. So about a year ago, right around this time, I was uh, about to fly out and propose to my now wife. Best decision. All right. I was doing that on, on the heels of a conference that was taking place. She was living in Arizona. I was like, this is perfect. Because how, do you, how many of you guys know it's not easy to surprise somebody in another state uh, to plan a proposal that's just like out of nowhere when you show up from another state? Um, and so, all right, I'm going to this conference. I'm planning to be there all weekend for her. She thinks it's a, you know, a regular time. That's not the story, but I just, I love you. So I just want to tell that part of it. All right. So I was going out there for the conference. The first day that we get there, we go out there with this group of guys. I was invited by a friend of mine. I enjoy spending time with my close friends. I don't always enjoy spending time with people I don't know. Um, the, the Gallup Strengths Finder test says that one of my qualities is a relator. I like a close, tight circle. I like people I connect with, but I'm not super excited about kicking it with people I don't know or connect with, right? So this is how this plays into the story. We go out there with a group of people I don't know, nor have I connected with them. And so we, we land in Arizona, and it's like 12 of us. And I'm like, ah, this is a lot. All right, but I know what I want to do. We land there at like 9 a.m. I'm like, boom, I got my favorite breakfast place out here. It's about to be amazing. I love this place. They're like, hey, where should we go? What should we do? Look, I know where we should go. We should go to my favorite breakfast place. If you've been on the West Coast, it's called Snooze, and it's amazing. If you go to Colorado or Arizona, and I think there are some in uh, California, Snooze. It's worth writing it down. So we get off the plane. They're in like a van. It's a lot. I'm in a car. <laughs> Smaller circle. So... I go there, I get there first. 
I go in there and I'm like, yeah, it's about to be 12 of us. This is already a lot for me because I don't, I don't like being the person causing a ruckus. I like to get in there and I just like to do things the way that they should be done. Right? And so when people got to move tables and all this stuff, it's a lot. I don't like that. If I had it my way, I would just, look, y'all find a table. I'll be good. I came here for the food. That's how I am. And so I get there, and I'm like, all right, I'm out here. I'm trying to fellowship, connect, even though I don't know these people. And I'm bringing them into a place that's very special to me. And so they get there, they come in, they're all loud. I'm like, ah, oh. here we go. Y'all about to ruin my experience. All right, shouldn't have brought you here. So they have two tables. One has six people at it. Mine has me at it. And now five people have been added to it. And there's this one guy. There's this one guy who when the waitress comes around and she's taking orders, now, now, let me tell you, like I said, this, this place is really good. Like, the food is good. The menu, they designed the menu in a way where, where they made meals that go well together. They, they put the menu together in a way that it doesn't need to be customized. You don't really need to change it. It's just good. Just order what's on the menu because the chef, he knows what's, this is how it works here. You don't. Okay, so the waitress comes around, and this dude, he's, he's preparing for a bodybuilding competition. And he's like, all right, um, could I get, like, six eggs? Um, first of all, they don't just serve eggs. It's not that type of place. Orders, like, a meal that's on the menu. That's what we do here. You got to calculate that before you walk in here. This is what's normal here, is you order what's on the menu, just do do what's normal, right? Don't embarrass me. Do y'all have steak? It's a breakfast place. They normally don't serve filet mignon here. It's bacon and pancakes and stuff like that. Do y'all have steak? Well, no, we don't have steak. We just have, um, it was uh, the little, I don't know. I can't remember what they're called. But um, now I want to remember what they're called. It's okay. No. But, all right, so here it goes. All they had was the little, it comes on the little English muffin with the poached egg. The Benedict, all right, thank you. I needed, I needed that, I needed that. All right, so they're like, no, we just do Benedicts, and we have a, a Benedict with, with steak, but it's little steak medallions. He's like, all right, could you take the medallions that normally go on the Benedict, and could you take a few of them, could you cut them up um, and put them with some eggs? And I'm over here like, Ah, stop. You could have gone to Waffle House or IHOP. That's not what this is for. But you know what? He did not care. He really did not care. Like he cared zero. Why? Because he had a goal. And he didn't care how I felt. He didn't care that it was my favorite restaurant. He didn't care that what he was doing was uncommon. He knew that what the choice that he's making right now affects his end result. And even though it made me uncomfortable and I was annoyed, and after that I'm like, I can't believe I came out here with these people. He got his result, he got his goal, and he stayed on track. 
But how many of us have people around us that are like me in that situation that are like, can you just be normal? Like, can we just listen to what we used to listen to? Can we just do what we used to do? Can you just come out with us? And in your life, you're gonna have to make some choices that are a reflection of your end goal and your, and your choices that are reflecting where your hope is. Where's your hope? That's why Peter said, set your hope. Set your hope. Set it on Jesus coming back and focus and conduct your life in a way that points to that because he's coming back. He's gonna be revealed to the world and there's gonna be a conversation. And this is how the conversation will go great. When you set your hope on him and you conduct your life in that way and you live like the Lord and different from the world because the Lord is different from the world and he's paid a large price to have a relationship with you and for you to have the opportunity to even be different from the world. That's full of sin and full of common things that get common bad results. And he saw all the bad results that we were getting and stepped in and said, I wanna give you a different result. And when offered that opportunity, when we make this decision to follow Jesus, it comes with a path. And that path can include what your old life included. In fact, in the, uh, in the fourth chapter of 1 Peter, he says, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy. You've had enough of that. Their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you, but remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. And so in short, your habits will reflect where your heart is. And your heart can be found where your hope is. Your habits will reflect where your heart is. Your heart can be found where your hope is. Where you set your hope should ultimately trace to where your habits are. And there should be a clear distinction between you and where you're going and where everybody else is going. And they're conducting themselves based on a different end goal. Most people's end goal is just their idea of success, attaining things in this world, making the most of this somewhat poor experience. But when your goal is knowing that you're gonna stand in front of Jesus who paid a huge price for you and loves you and has called you to walk in a different light and to be a light and to be a reflection of him. When you know that that's the conversation that you're walking towards and there are eternal rewards, most of us are trying to store up for ourselves rewards here. That's what a job is. You go, you do work, they reward you with money. And most of us spend all of our energy and our efforts going for this temporary reward trying to get more of this temporary reward to buy temporary things, houses that get broken down in hurricanes. And Jesus is saying, 
look, this world is actually not built to sustain you or anything you're attaining here. It's terrible stuff that happens here. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is what Jesus says. There's a hope that we can have. When all hell is breaking loose in our lives, there is a hope that we can have that heaven is on the way. And when our hope is there, it will reflect how we conduct our lives. So maybe you don't do... See, a lot of this stuff, man, it's gonna come down to deeper than, hey, is it okay for Christians to do this? Is it okay for Christians to do that? Man, what is your end goal? Do you think that dude was sitting around saying, is it okay for bodybuilders to eat pancakes? Well, it depends. What's your goal? Do you want to win? Or do you just want to show up? And so a lot of the the questions that you have to answer in your life are not going to be able to be answered by you measuring your life against other people. So maybe you don't watch what other people watch, even if they are Christians, because you know the effect that it has on you. We have to take inventory of these things. That's one of the things that you do when you're training physically. When you're eating, a lot of the times, the way you know what to eat is how you feel after eating it. It's not just what somebody prescribes. Some people can eat certain things and be ripped. Sometimes you can't. Just the reality. Different body types, all these things. So there are all these Uh, ideas out here. Man, can people eat carbs? Well, it depends. What's your body type, right? What's your end goal? What do you need? And a lot of times that's our spiritual life because, man, is it a sin for you to watch this particular show? Well, I don't know. But where are you trying to get to and does it help you get there? That's how we process through these things. That's how we determine which way to go. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you in. It's not checkboxes. Is, is this good for you? Take inventory of where you are spiritually, mentally, when you listen to this. Because when you're allowing people who are preaching what's common to preach to you, check the result that starts happening in your life. That's what I had to learn. I mean, I had to learn a lot of this stuff through just experience. Listening to certain things and then seeing my life starts looking like these songs that I'm listening to. So I don't know, I don't care who listens to him. Where I'm trying to go, this isn't helping me get there. Maybe you don't use the same language that everybody else uses, even when they consider themselves a Christian. Is it okay for Christians to talk like this? Man, is it doing, is it helping you do what God has called you to do? Is it helping you to be most like God? Would Jesus do it? That's such a simple, I think we just took that for granted because they put out the bracelets, the WWJD. But really, like, you can ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this situation? And it'll squash so much. Like, would Jesus go over this person's house at this time? Probably not. Would Jesus be dating this person? I know Jesus wasn't in a romantic relationship, but you feel me. It's easy to be like, would Jesus think this is a good idea. A lot of it is simpler than we, than we give it credit for. Would Jesus take this business opportunity? 
that nobody will really know. It's a little dicey. But would Jesus do that? Does this glorify God? Man, if, if, if God, God says that everything that's whispered in private will be shouted from the rooftops and everything that's done in the dark will come to the light. Y'all know he meant that? Like, imagine, imagine, like, the conversations that you've had that you're not so proud of. Imagine if, like, you're in front of Jesus and angels just start shouting your text messages. Like, yeah, Jesus, yeah, on this day at 3 a.m., he was like, you up? Ooh, it's getting hot. Ah. Imagine. But like Jesus said that this is actually going to happen. Like what you whisper in private, what you think nobody sees. It's going to come to the light and it's going to be shattered from the rooftops. I don't know when. I don't know what rooftops. But I know he's for real. And so how you conduct yourself in private is important. And ultimately, God wants to be able to use you to point people to himself. So are you conducting your life in a way that God is able to be glorified? I don't have a whole lot more time tonight a couple things that I wanted to touch on. But I want to touch on this piece. What do you do when your hope is in Jesus and your heart is with him, but unhealthy habits are still arising? I think this is a question that a lot of us have to ask at some point and a lot of us struggle with is, man, I am looking forward to heaven but I seem to still be struggling in these areas and these unhealthy habits keep arising. One thing that I've learned that's helped me, because I get all types of random thoughts, urges, I don't know about you, but randomly. I mean, just out of nowhere, I'm chilling and all of a sudden, my mind will be like, go wild out. <laughs> Maybe that doesn't happen to you. But to me, that still happens. And I think that's why Peter says, you've had enough in the past of this. And if you can remember that, to guard against the trap of idealizing your past. Look, this is what happens. Our brains psychologically idealize our past. And so your brain will have you think in past situations were way better than they were. Old relationships, old habits, addictions, highs. Like, yo, you remember? That was awesome. He wasn't really that bad. I mean, he had some issues. But who doesn't? She wasn't that bad. You messed that up. Y'all had a good thing going. Y'all remember that time 
when y'all were kicking it here? Y'all remember when you were laughing? Y'all remember that? That was a good relationship. It wasn't as bad as you felt like. But in the time, you were like, this is horrible. I hate this. There's a reason you left. There's a reason you stopped doing it. There's a reason you left your past. There's a reason why your past is your past. So guard yourself against that trap that your brain does. It idealizes your past. Second, think through the whole scenario. So that's, that's, that goes back to what we were talking about before, whether it's relationships. Man, what's the end result of this? If I follow this lustful urge right now, what is the end result? Think through the whole scenario. So many of us don't do that. Like our brain will tell us like that first result. But what about after that? Like you remember, like, yeah, you, you, you smoke this, you drink this, you pop this, you feel this way, but you remember after that how you felt? How are you going to feel after that? When you go kick it with this person again, how are you going to feel after that? What's that going to lead to? Because we don't plan a lot of the results that we end up with. Like a lot of people have kids with people they were not planning to have kids with. And it's not that God can't restore that. God can clean up a mess, but it's better if you don't make one. Because we run into all these situations that will end in dysfunction, dysfunctional people that we're having to work against the environment we're providing and producing because of our decisions, when if we follow God's wisdom in the first place, we won't have to be working against so many things we didn't plan for. If we think through the whole scenario, what is the end result of you making that decision and that choice? How do we stay focused when we're so busy? Three things, then I'll wrap up. Prayer. Praying keeps your mind focused on heaven. How do you keep your hope on heaven? Pray. The Holy Spirit will remind you. When you start praying how he prays, pray the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. Google that if you don't know it. A lot of us do. Very simple. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That means made precious, made holy, exalted be your name. Your kingdom come. That right there always arrests me. That gets me in the right mindset in prayer because this isn't about me building my life. This isn't about just what I'm doing. But God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, in my life as it is in heaven, in my relationships as it is in heaven, in my job as it is in heaven. Now, that'll have you focused on heaven. Go into church. Whew. Now, a lot, of, a lot of people you hear are, are knocking church and, oh, I don't need church. And a lot of churches, they're not giving me what I need. And Look, let me tell you what church has done for me. Church is why I'm here. A lot of times, man, even as a volunteer, me getting plugged in and serving in a church 
gave me the accountability and the responsibility that I needed. It's hard to stay true to your commitments when there's no accountability for it, when nobody's counting on you. But when you put yourself in a position where somebody's relying on you, that's when you can't just go wild out. There are people depending on you, counting on you. When I was leading a small group of high schoolers, that held me accountable. I'm like, man, I gotta show up and minister to these kids. There were some days where I, didn't, well, I wasn't feeling it. I didn't wanna show up, wasn't in the right brain space. What did I do? I showed up because I was accountable and I saw God work in my life. That helped me stay focused on heaven and not prioritize my feelings and my circumstances, but that helped me live out, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, and I'm going to participate in that whether I feel like it right now or not. It gives you people who depend on you, and it gives you somebody to depend on when church is done right. Community. I needed that. Man, let me not do this. Not God sets us in community for a reason, because He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Both of those are necessary. When we have our commitment to God and our community, it helps us so much in holding us accountable and us being responsible. And the last thing is reading the Bible. All of what we learned tonight was from the Bible. Like the kingdom of heaven, what the future looks like. From the Bible. That's how you can stay focused on heaven, reading it. Helps a ton All right, I gotta wrap up. Um, We started out talking about this treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. In his joy. Living this uncommon life, living, living different, should be a result of the joy you experience from God. In your joy, you should want to live different. Peter says that you've been filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. That's what's drawn us to Jesus. And so, as we close tonight, I want us to think about that. Are we living our lives? Are you living your life in a way that says you found a treasure and you've sold all you had. You've put your old life down. Sold all he had. That's an exchange. I'm trading this. These old habits that have not fulfilled me, I've had enough of them. I've done it enough to see the end result and I don't want that. I want this result, this inexpressible and glorious joy that I'm experiencing on the inside. This God who loves me, relationship with him, eternal life, this is the end result I want. And I'm gonna sell everything that I have to get it because he gave everything for me. Exchanging your old habits, your old life, your old ways, current habits, current ways that aren't pushing you towards him. I want to pray for us tonight. Jesus, 
We thank you for your word. Lord, help this message to land in our hearts. Help us to live this out. This is what's gonna be the difference maker in our lives. This is where we see the favor of God, the blessing of God. This is where we see you open doors because we are moving on your path. God, open our eyes to see that there's nothing on this earth more valuable than you. Lord, help us to set ourselves apart, to make difficult decisions, to make uncomfortable decisions, to follow you, knowing that we'll be filled with comfort, that we'll be filled with peace, that we'll be filled with joy, that we'll be filled with power, that we'll be filled with healing, that we'll be filled with restoration as we trade sin and as we trade shame and as we trade unhealthy things, Lord, that you will fill us with all that is good. You will fill us with yourself, your Holy Spirit living in us, working in us, working through us, impacting lives through us, calling us to places that we never thought we would go, calling us to places we could not take ourselves, equipping us to do things we could not do on our own, pointing us to you, the savior of our souls, our shepherd, our father. Jesus, help us. Let your spirit rest on us and dwell in us. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit fusionatl.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.